doing this? Like at the very yeah. end. You weren't kidding. That's an awesome walk-on song. I mean, right? Happy darn culture cast day. Oops. I love it so much. I started again. <laughs> um, Derek, happy darn culture cast. Welcome, Derek Lunston. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Oh my gosh, so great to be with you. And yes, we were just chatting about this walk-on song. I think I do this every time. First of all, thank you to Julius Wilder who created and produced this here in Nashville. Nice. And I cannot help but move. I mean, that bass is so That's good, true. right? Mm -hmm. Seriously. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm super excited to have this very special friend and guest, Derek Lunston who, um, before we jump into Life Guides, who is like the guru on thriving in life, um, <laughs> I feel like we were meant to be friends because yes. it just so speaks to why I do what I do for a living and why I live every day. I just, it's all about making sure that people are part of communities, environments where they can thrive. Yes. And um, I think that's why Life Guides so speaks to me but before we get into that, I want to get into Derek. Yeah. So who was Derek growing up and what led you to this path of starting this company? Yeah. So Go anywhere you want. I love the question. So and, and I, I speak about this sometimes that I was a philosopher and a spiritual seeker first before I ever got into business. And so at a really young age, literally about seven years old, I can remember vividly asking myself or asking God, like, why am I here? Right. Wow. It was really young. And like that for me, that was something that I was seeking or building or, you know, whatever you want to call it from, from that time forward. And then um, when I got into school, I went, to, so I went to James Madison University and I studied psychology and I studied philosophy specifically. And I was really drawn into um, existential philosophy and Eastern philosophies, particularly Buddhism. And um, there was a you know, the idea of the Bodhisattva, the Bodhisattva path, that there are people mm -hmm. who are helping others to, on their journey um, was something that really resonated with me. And when I met years later, and after I got into entrepreneurship and business, years later, I met through a entrepreneurial group, my business partner, uh, and he shared this idea. And in the business plan, there was a, this note about the Bodhisattva. And it literally like lit me up in that moment, um, mm. and brought me back to that point in my life of, of just why am I here and what are we doing here? And um, it was just, it felt clear that that was part of the, the, the venture and the business that I was meant to be a part of. So, uh, but I was like every other kid, right? I was in the sense that was a key part, but otherwise yeah. I was curious and love people and might have fun and explore different interests. And that, that desire to connect with people and that, and that desire for adventure is something else that always was with me growing up and has, and has been with me as, you know, through my life and my career. So it was really the intersection. Interesting. Of aspect for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm really curious at seven years old when you asked the question, why am I here? Yeah. You know, um, what did you declare out loud or say to yourself when, you know, you started pondering and reflecting on that question? Yeah. I mean, the, the simple answer was I didn't have a good answer, right? It was okay. actually a more of a frustration moment where it was like, why it was like this awareness of like being in physical space and time, right? Being in the world, yeah. being there. And just this, like, I don't, I don't know how to call it, just the recognition of just life around me, right? And said, okay, yeah. this is some, what am I here to do? And then part of it was just about the experience of that, right? It was, yeah. it was 
just almost at a young age, like, okay, I'm on a journey. I can, I can choose different things. I can experience different things. I can, I can learn different things. I can influence different things. And so it became just that awareness and that influenced how I, how I've done life for lack of a better term. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, every leader and human being that I've met where thriving and heart is really at the front of, or the center of what they do. Yeah. I think that vision comes early, you know, and I know that you were still pondering that, you know, at seven. Yeah. I, I feel like it's those formative years, um, people that I've met, it's around seven, eight, nine, where people might go back and say, I really had, you know, had this thought that maybe I might be leading down a pathway. And I love that you use the word self-awareness and just creating awareness around you. Yes. Um, you know, I, I resonate with that. I think about growing up in Southern California and being first generation and then moving from LA to not LA, which is the suburbs yeah. and kids just making fun because we were different. And I think back then I was just so highly attuned and aware of just what was happening, you know, like how people treated each other, um, what lifted people up, what didn't, that kind of thing. So I feel you when you say that. Yeah, you were sensitive, right? You were sensitive oh. to the environment, sensitive to the energy of people, right? Always, always yeah. sensitive to the energy of people. And so um, it's fascinating because you had kind of the spiritual guide. Yeah. You had a business partner, but then I look at your background and you've definitely been an entrepreneur, a tech entrepreneur. Yes. So what led you to that? So coming up back, continuing on that journey. So yeah. in my, in my mid teens, late teens, I started to become more aware of business as a concept, right? Okay. Well, like just out, it was out there. And also because it was back to just the idea of creation and just what was being built. I always had this desire then to go, to go build and be an entrepreneur. I remember talking to some of my family, you know, in my late teens, like I want to be an entrepreneur. And that was prior to the entrepreneurial explosion of what is right. Today, right? So, um, and I was, they were, and they were encouraging me, right? I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs per se, right? But okay. it was there, it was an inherent desire to go to do do that. Um, and and then when I was in school again, I was studying. I was like, I I studied philosophy and psychology. I don't want to become a doctor or a doctorate of psychology or mm -hmm. philosophy. I'm not gonna become a lawyer. I'm not gonna go do that. So I was like, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go into business, right? I, I saw that again, that love for people and that connection. So yeah. I into business, and I end up working with or for different entrepreneurs and so i was able to learn in those experiences and then over time again just the dots connecting from one venture to the next and one entrepreneurial yeah. mentor to the next eventually it led me on my own path where i was like i'm gonna go go do this i'm gonna launch on my own and start my own business and businesses and then that kind of just continue, continued to spawn them right and so i've now done a bunch of different entrepreneurial ventures some more successful than others and others that have not worked out and i've learned a ton of lessons along the way right. of that um but yeah i mean that's just that's been part of it it's been it's been wild and then technology and healthcare for whatever reason has been a key intersection of what i've always been drawn to yeah i, yeah. I mean i see that but I, i'm also hearing the whole backed with philosophy yes and you know and um that's very strong and i'll say a spirituality yeah that, you know behind that because i see that technology yeah. meets healthcare meets life sciences i can yes. see that too in terms of your background and how that creates a beautiful combination for um, setting the stage for being an empath, right? And and yes. supporting people. And so, 
say more about that. I mean, I know that early days, I'm surprised because I think back in the day, it's not like yeah. kids said, I'm going to grow up to be an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. So um, when you were studying philosophy, yeah, was there an entrepreneurial mentor somewhere? Was there... Or is it just kind of a thing you fell into? Oh, it was more. In, it was more into. It was more my inner knowing, my, my inner, inner knowing on the entrepreneurial side in particular. And in fact, I remember, you know, back to the early days. At that point, to be an entrepreneur was truly about creating a novel idea. Yeah, right? like, it was like it was all about product creation. You built. You had to build an amazing idea that was going to change the world. And that is a form of entrepreneurship. But it was through that philosophical kind of un, you know unlayering, if I could better term. That I started to see entrepreneurship much broader, right? Yeah. And it was about connecting to your point. It was about finding ideas. It was about facilitating relationships. It was about, you know, tapping into other, other skills that I had. And to your point, and it sounds like we shared this. Yeah. Um, I was very kind of attuned or aware of what other people, other people's experiences were of, you know, the world around us and how we'd interact with one another. And that I, I I learned over time that that was there was there was a, there was a skill in that right absolutely that empathy that that you know empathic sense um, allowed me to connect and understand things almost on a unspoken level right and it allowed me to see see connections between people or connections between ideas or between possibilities that maybe some other people didn't didn't observe or notice and so I started to practice that for like a better term. Like, I love that. No, I mean, I think that's why I just feel you every time yeah. I have a conversation with you. Yes. Um, you know, although I, I know I've gone down a very different path, I think the alignment really is, I've always been curious about experiences, right? Not only my own yeah. experience, my family's experience, moving from one, you know, the city to not the city and the stark differences and how people treated each other. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm the classic, my parents raised me to be a doctor kind of person, oh. right? And um, I was a biology major when I started. And I remember I'm like, I don't want to do this. But if I look back at what really drove me, and I feel like my entire life, I've been observing people and feeling experiences, mm -hmm. and was um, so obsessed with not only doing well in school, because that's what my parents told me to do, but that whole experience of being in school. So for example, high school, yeah. You know, I wanted to make sure that this was the best experience, whether I was on student council, I was a cheerleader, you know, joined every club. And I was just curious about the experience that we are creating for everyone so that everyone can, you know, not only get through school, but actually enjoy it. And so I think about that yes. um, and making those connections. And so I, I think this leads me to, you know, your natural ability to create culture. You know, when I was thinking about what am I going to say about you, introducing that we're going to have this conversation. And I think it starts with that core that you're already talking about spiritually, emotionally, yeah. you know, we are the culture that we create. So yes. how we show up really does impact the world around us, right? The people around us and the world around us. But I'd love for you to talk about when you think about the word culture, Yes. how would you define it? Thank you for that question yeah. and thank you for the kind words and just the invitation again to be here with you. So um, it's fun because my title technically is president and chief culture officer. At I know. I love it. 
And we've, we've made that, you know, with an intentional decision because it goes back to, to your point. It's about there's an intentionality that, you know, we, we create together and that can, quote, quote, unquote, a container of an enterprise or a business or organization. But, but culture for me really is about how we show up as individuals, mm -hmm. as that collective group of individuals for that common purpose, those shared values, that shared mission, that shared vision, whatever it is that we're building together. And, and the way that we, the way that we do our lives and you know, live together, that is the formation, the environment of culture. That's, that's what I believe. I mean, I know, and I know you and I are kindred spirits and yeah. talked about it, but it is very much, you know, how you live and how you interact with your friends and colleagues and, and those that are close to you in your life, that is the definition of culture. And that continues to magnify and expand out from that one little idea of an entrepreneurial venture into society at large. And there's subcultures, as we know, within those different pieces. And it all comes back to what is the intention? What are we sewing together? What are we weaving together, right? As part yeah. of that, as part of that collective experience. And how does each individual node or individual, you know, perspective, how does that contribute to the greater, the greater purpose? Yeah, right? I love that. No, I love it's like how how we roll. Yes. How do we roll? Not yes. only self-roll, meaning like being highly aware. Yes. Of, I mean, this is what I'm getting from you, like fully being in tune with who you are, what you're all about as an individual, right? Like mm -hmm. starting with that um, and having clarity around that. Yes. Right. Then bringing that into the world, whether it's one other person in the room, yeah. a thousand, a million other people in the environment. That yes. how you show up really does impact how other people may respond to you. Yeah. Right. And to, and to your point about empathy and yeah. seeing people, it's like, what, who are you? Right. Who are, who is, who's Marisa? Who is yeah. the other person? Like, who are, who are you at a core deep level? Like, who are you in, at your soul level? Who are you? What, what do you value? What matters? Right. Yeah. So that's all part of it. I totally agree. And I think um, it's that self work. And that self-awareness, again, I'm going to bring that up because you were highly self-aware or creating that awareness at seven years old and, of course, evolve that throughout your life. But I think it starts with, you know, as you talk about culture, most people go, well, okay, here's our purpose and values. Let's all live it. Yes. And I think it's, you know, I, I said this on LinkedIn in a different way, but, you know, when I think about Ice Cube, it's like checking yourself, right? Really understanding where all uh, this idea emotion comes from, mm. you know, and being really clear about that. Yeah, I, it's about presence. Yeah, right? it's, it's presence. And I love this internal kind of fortitude and celebration of a person. Mm. It starts with that, right? I'm, I mean, I'm, I think we're getting deep on culture, but I, I love, love that um, it's you that I'm, I get to talk with you about this. And so um, life guides. Yeah. What a wild idea. So um, I'd love for you to jump into this auspicious, maybe it's not auspicious, this vision that you have. Yeah. Impact a billion people. Yes. So this goes back to the shared co-creation of ideas. Of okay. Collective consciousness. Yeah. And them, right. So I was in, um, it was about eight years ago, I was in um, Peter Diamandis's what is now mastermind called uh, Abundance 360, Singularity University is now the sponsor of that. But the, it was 360 entrepreneurs in Los Angeles. And we were talking about 
technologies, you know, artificial intelligence, robotics, longevity, all these things yeah. that we're hearing a lot about now in the, in, the, in the collective consciousness about innovation. We were talking about these things almost 10 years ago, right? As, as things that were forming and going to impact the future. Yes. And um, Mark, my business partner and I both had the shared awareness that we were saying, hey, we're talking about things that are gonna change the world through technology. What is gonna stay the same? Like what is it, what about humanity is unique and special that's kind of transcended through all iterations of, te of technological innovation so far? And will be the case, you know, following this next leapfrog of technology and innovation. Yeah. And we and we both had this realization: it's about human connection. Yes. Right? It's about wisdom sharing. It's about our stories. It's about our unique experiences. It's about what makes us us individually and and as a species. Right. And said, okay, well, you think back to the idea of before we, when we lived in tribes, literally in villages. Back to that concept, and yep. we. Would, we would interact with one another. We'd share our stories. We'd share our resources. We'd share our wisdom. We'd, we'd come together in those moments of struggle and support one another. And we'd also help to learn through each other. We said, yeah. okay, we live in a world where there's literally 8 billion people around the world that are, if you look at that in that context, we can now attribute and get to the idea of finding perfect matches and connections for people in different experiences and different circumstances. Right. And so the one idea that we were talking about at the time was around caregiving, caregiving for dementia yeah. loved ones, because Mark had that experience. I had seen that experience secondhand with my grandparents and my parents and said, okay, there's something here. And what we saw was the idea that if you talk to someone who'd been in that situation themselves and had navigated it successfully, yes, they had learned certain lessons, they had learned certain emotions, they had experienced and been present all that. And then the question is, but why, right? Aside from the fact that it builds that, that individual's character, they're meant to share it. They're meant to pass it along. That's why we experience it. Yeah. To tell the story and to share the lessons so that other people can do it better, do it more efficiently, do it more healthily, and then continue onward. That's how we learn and evolve, right? That's right. And so what we have said was we can build a platform that facilitates that. We can build a, a platform that people who have lived life can connect with other people going through that same challenge or same moment, and they can be a guide. They can be a peer. They can help someone on their journey of life through the lessons that they've learned. And what we saw, this was you know, seven years ago, is that this would be a massive transformative experience for mental health, right? We saw yes. this undercurrent of, you know, and hey, you know, if you talk to someone, you get insight, that's and you have someone to talk to and share these, you you express, you you're able yeah. to move unhealthy or harmful emotions in a different type of way. And so we we start doing this at scale, we're gonna create a healthier population. And then COVID happened. Right. right? And it was like, and you remember our conversations at that point, we're all sitting in Zoom rooms around the world. Everyone's isolated. It's like, why are we here? We all had that, we had that collective seven-year-old moment. Why That's am I right, here? Right. What are we doing? Does it really matter? What's most important? What do I value? All of a sudden, we're all asking these questions and everybody got different answers. Yeah. And everyone had that shared experience of like, maybe I should rewrite what I'm doing. Maybe I can do something different. Or maybe I'm going to try something different. It just everybody was open to a paradigm shift. And so- totally. It was the exact right moment for lifeguards to come into the collective world because, you know, now technology has evolved three years later with the technology vision that we had of how artificial intelligence can connect and build depth of humanity, depth of empathy, depth of connection, more efficient sharing is happening right in yeah. front of you. Right? I love it. Yeah. I love it. To your question, but it gives you the sense. Oh, I, it's a really great sense. And if I go back to when you were at this Peter, Peter 
Diamanda's like Abundance 360 and trying to figure out, all right, technology is going to continue to evolve, AI, quantum, like all of that yes. is happening. I, I agree with you. I've always said that the newest innovation in tech is humanity. Yes. Period. Right. And how that is always going to require um, connectivity. Yeah. You know, and technology can help enable that, but nothing substitutes uh, a tech enabled connection than with that human feeling. Yes. Right. And so um, I love that you went down that route. And what's interesting is that, you know, you talk about, all right, it's like a friend. Yes. So I'll say a peer, but someone who's actually gone through an experience that you are now going through. Correct. Right. And so how, how do you find those people? Like, and, and how do they become qualified to become yeah. a peer so that, yeah. you know, if I'm, I recently went through, you know, I'm going through this right now where I'm in the sandwich generation. We have adult mm -hmm. children. I have uh, um, elderly parents. My dad passed away. Mm -hmm. And what was really helpful for me, although I didn't, it wasn't enabled through technology, but it just enabled through my network. Like I am going through this. What yes. should I be thinking about? And it was super helpful that people can actually empathize with yes. me, the feeling of it beyond just the, here's a checklist of things you need to do. So yes. anyway, going back to how have you identified um, these peers, these yeah. mentors? We, so to your point, we call them guides. Okay, right? guides. Life guides. We call them guides because right? you have, they're guiding you on your path. I'll come back to that sec com question answer in just one okay. second. You want to acknowledge anything else that you said. You know, look at this conversation we're having, right? Yeah. We're having a human, a deep conversation about life and about purpose and about right. relationships via a video chat. This would never have happened four years ago, right? And we and the opportunity that a thousand people theoretically could sit and watch our conversation right yeah. now in real time is in and of itself what we're talking about, right? People are literally gaining exposure to new ideas through this conversation that we're having in this yeah. moment. Pretty wild. So coming back to your question about That's right. right? Yeah. yeah it's super wild. Yeah. I'm sitting in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're sitting in Nashville, Tennessee. And That's we're right. In the same room, right? That's right. Literally. So from a guy's standpoint, you know, when we when we first launched it, we again we started with this topic of dementia caregiving and, and the idea that, hey, you know, and that's a really fascinating use case, if you will, or a scenario, because it has so many different stages of that process and the idea of the identity being a caregiver, the provision of care, you know, the, the challenges that come with working with a loved one who's going through that progression, right. And how that affects that yeah. individual, how it affects the family, right. How it affects finances, how it affects the healthcare system. There's so many layers to that, right. So it was a very good kind of validation point. Like, is there a, is there something here? Is there a value exchange here? And more importantly, is there a, both a supply and demand? Like, do people want to share their experiences yeah. as guides? And is there value received as a member from a guide in doing that? And we proved out the answer was clearly yes, right? And then to your question, we started to find topics that were similar. Yeah. We started recruiting guides from those areas, right? So, so if you've been a caregiver and you want to share your experience, come talk to us about being a guide. If you've been through a divorce and you're now in a happy, thriving marriage or you've created your life anew and you're thriving in it and you want to be able to be a sounding board for someone going through a divorce, come talk to us. If you become a new parent and you're trying to figure yeah. it out and you want to talk to someone who has teenagers that are doing great, 
come talk to them about that experience, right? If you've transitioned from being an active military service member or woman, man or woman to being a veteran, and you want to talk to a veteran, come, come do that, right? And so we just started finding these organizations or groups and recruiting that people in to share yeah. stories and experiences. And what we found all the time was that there was an abundance of people who wanted to share their experiences and service, which to me is one of the coolest parts about this whole business. It's one of the things that makes me most, and it's, it's more than just the business, but it's one of the things that makes me more optimistic about humanity is there's such a latent potential of people, group of people that want to just help other people. Yeah. They want to share their story and try to pay it forward. And we've created a framework around how to do that well and to do it where there's a fair exchange of value taking place, yeah. right? education and community and healing, whatever you want to call it. Right. And we're creating this whole new category of support and, and modernizing what's always existed since the onset of community. Right. Bring it in the modernization, modernization of it. That's right. right. You're creating, um, well, it's kind of like what you said with technology, like right yeah. now, theoretically a thousand people could be in the room with us right now. And we weren't doing this four years ago. Right. And so the fact that it's, um, and I love that you are endorsed by the founder of Match.com. Yeah. <laughs> like how you're you're actually giving access to people to share those experiences, I think is really cool. And yeah. I guess that's my question too. Like, if I wanted a life guide, yeah, do I need to be an employee at a company yeah. or you know, to get access to life guide? Like, how do you go to market and how yeah, do people so access it? On a simple level, yes. Uh, at the, or this present moment, yes. Uh, okay. As a employee or a family member who's over at the age of 18 at one of our client partners, and we work with many organizations, large and small. Yeah. If you are an employee of that or you're part of their, you know, a, a benefits package they offer, you would have access to the life guides. Got it. And it would be paid for by your employee. It would be free, right? Like it's not amazing. You know, you know so it's a, it's a value that's there to be used. Right. And so if you were to spend, go to see a therapist, for example, you're going to pay a hundred dollars a session. This is a completely free service that employees can use courtesy of their, of their employer at this time. And to your question, as we continue to reach more and more critical mass of the members yeah. that we serve, right. Then we'll have access to anyone. Right. Yeah. We're already looking at how we do that through, you know, traditional models of healthcare access or, or associations or different things of that nature to direct to consumer. And we're already starting to test some of those approaches. Right? Amazing. Yeah. And then I'm sure that you, your team and the, your research folks also understand this, the difference between the life guide. So yeah. I'd say this peer-to-peer -peer mentoring life guide versus traditional teletherapy. I'm calling yes. it traditional teletherapy. Like that's new too. But, right. Um, right? but like, what is the difference? You know, for people learning about this right now, the difference yes. between therapy, like clinical mental health versus th this. Yes. Well, first off, it's important to say we're not therapists. We're yeah. not clinicians. We're not providing medical advice. We're not providing treatment. We're not doing things that would be in that space. It's a very clear distinction. And we've, we've built a framework to help work with therapeutic options and other services that provide credential licensed support in that way. Right. And, and that's important to make that distinction. Yeah. Um, but, and so two things on that. So, so one, um, we do have individuals on our platform who are educated as physicians or psychiatrists or social workers or lawyers or, you know, different expertise, but they're, they're not providing that professional service through our platform. They're showing up as human beings. Got it. First and foremost. And that just happens to be a 
you know, a richness of their human experience that they have those experience that they obtain that educational experience, right? And that you have the value to choose that guide, for example, from that experience, right? So that's that's one thing to mention. Um, but where it differs is that we are our model fundamentally is about helping that person that are in the line or or the video call find their own answers. We're asking questions. We're connecting with that person deeply. We're helping them find their own truths and and to share, hey, you know, in my experience, I tried these things that worked great, or these are things that I wish I had known then, Yeah. right? Maybe you want to be aware of it. Here's websites or pages that you might want to take a look at. And they're really just there to help facilitate and prompt, right? Whereas opposed to a therapist, there's a very clear model, sure. models for how you provide therapy. And then also what how treatment is prescribed, either from a medical standpoint or, or elsewhere in the system. So I say all that because we know that a lot of people and we've seen this, especially now in the healthcare system, it's being overwhelmed. You can't get good therapy off yep. right now, even through digital therapy apps or through, you know, uh, brick and mortar therapy. So what we're doing is we're creating a whole model and, and think about back to pre-pandemic, the yep. whole stigma around therapy and medical care. People didn't want to use it for that exact reason. It was a, something wrong or it was, yeah. you know, there was an issue there. That they, so what we created was, hey, just talk to someone else who's been in your situation. It's not about your mental state. It's not right. you need a clinical support intervention. You just need to talk it out. You just need to be seen. You just need to be heard, just be acknowledged. You just need to know it's okay. You need to have some hope. You need to know someone you can talk to and you can trust. And that's what a guide does. That's, that's what a friend does. Yeah. But the benefit is that they, they themselves know this situation. That's right. They've been in it. And so there's another level of kind of, trust and connection that's formed in that, right? Yeah, I love that. And I agree with you. I think there's so much I have to react to. Um, you know, going back to the conversation we talked about definition of culture, and it really yeah. is about that clarity about who you are, what you value, what's important to you, me, you know, as an individual. I love that the guide is not a therapist where there's a you know, there is a way and then there's a diagnosis and whatever they need to do to get there to the next level. But it is about helping to bring clarity Yes. on two things. One is here's experience. Here's how I experienced it. They might experience it differently, but then it it's a way of actually asking questions to others to yes. help them find the answers that they probably already have within, but yes. they probably already have in their gut. All right. I'm thinking of how I might handle this situation, but a, a way that can help me guide my decision, right, mm -hmm. is to talk to people who've had that experience and yes. a trusted, safe environment. Yes. And so um, I love that. It goes back to, is this a terminology, kind of self-culture, right? Like yeah. uh, clear values or clear individual values. Oh those are our literally so our core our core values yeah. are legitimately clear. They are the clear values. That's what our core values spell. No way, that's right. Yes. Oh my gosh, but it is clarity, right? Like providing clarity. And by the way, I love that one of your values is love. Yes. Period. Hence why I wore my my heart shirt. And anytime I have a conversation with you that I am also joining your cause to be a rebel with a yes. heart. Yes. Right? Um, anyway, so I love that idea. And then I, I want you to comment on, um, you made me think about this too, mental health versus yes. emotional health. Yes. Right. So right now, I, I, I think headlines, yeah. as everyone talks about 
all right, how we've all come back from this last pandemic, the first pandemic we had, and how we come together and work together and the state of mental health yes. for people. Now, I'd love your take on, you know, I, I like broadening that definition to overall well-being yes. and emotional well-being. So say more about that. I mean, I'd love to get your take on it. Yeah. yeah. So so you, you, you're, you tap right into it, right? So well-being or health broadly is really, or holistic, wholeness, right? Yeah. Really what we're aiming for. And that consists of multiple elements, mental health, emotional health, physiological health, spiritual health, financial health, social health. I mean, it's there are these different components that make up health, right? And make up well-being. And that's what we're striving for together individually and as a group. That's And that's possible. We can create yeah. that in and outside of the workplace, right? And so that's really what we're talking about when we think about well-being is how do you be well? How do you live yeah. well? How do you foster that in your in your team? And we know that it's all systemic. It's all interrelated, right? Yep. You know that one influences the other, right? Your physiology influences your mental and emotional health. Your mental and emotional health influences how you show up with your friends and your family, right? And so they're all, they're not, it's not enough to just focus on one piece. You need I to agree. look at the entirety. And we also, we are not just linear people. We're complex individuals with different elements, and different things, and it moves fluidly, right? And so providing, again, the guide that can help in those situations and move with you, you know, an accountability partner in your health and fitness, someone to talk to about what's going on in your relationship, someone to talk to you about how you're going through your caregiving process. You can have guides for different, different things, right? As an example. And then coming back for a second, because we've talked a lot about, you know, back to the helping a billion people thrive. Yeah. Reduce it, back to that idea. It's not just about being the recipient, right? There's a tremendous amount of value and health that takes place in being the guide, right? There's another yeah. layer of when you can teach someone, when you can demonstrate that, that you've mastered something, is it more of a layer yes. of release and healing that takes place? And then you're being of service, right? And you're creating, you're multiplying the value and you're exchanging that for, you're redeeming that energy, for like a better term, right? To right. creating everybody. And so that's how we create health. I'm getting like really good goosebumps as we're talking about this because it really is changing. Like you're exchanging people to, to upgrade on the whole. Yeah. Right? So well, that's I, I take it a step further. You know, I think about it's not just when I see your big vision of like impacting a billion people. Yeah. And it's not just about the um, the life guide and then the recipient. I think as a result, they both become better people and then they become better people to the people around them. Bingo. And so that, I mean, it, it's that broadly that I think about it. And especially in, um, you know, today's world, right? We're going into another election in the US. India is going to go through yet another one. And just the level of ajita that exists with people coexisting in a workplace, whether it's a virtual workplace or physical workplace, yikes, right? Again, I go. it goes back to that self-awareness and that self-monitoring and that um, uh, level of clarity that yes. people have about themselves before they realize how they're impacting others. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a really cool idea that, um, you know, especially now I love talking about kindness, mm. but I think it's that good energy, yeah. which is if you're feeling that, as a result of an interaction, right? Whether you're the 
the guide or the recipient, they their hearts become full again. Their cup yes. remains full again, right? And then they're able to bring that to others. Yes. You know, maybe it's not even a billion people. Maybe it's more than that. I, <laughs> it's like, dude, I, come I, on. Said that because we always say, hey, we're just looking for, that's our achievable metric. Because technically you're right. It could be everyone in the world, theoretically. Right. 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 Theoretically, it could be. Yeah. Right? Although so, we know that we're not there yet. Exactly. We know we're not there yet. Why? Because, um, look, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had the chance to join some amazing leaders on stage at the Sherm Inclusion Conference. Yeah. The topic was how do you turn incivility into inclusion? Yes. Right. And I think the work, as much as there's broader company work that DEI professionals can do, it starts with you. Right. Yeah. It's like it starts with you. And again, I'm still going to go back to Ice Cube. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Like, understand that. I love period. It. I yes. know. I know. Laugh. I'm old school, but it's so true. Um, I, I want to get into metrics too. So I know you talked about, all right, a billion is a way that you can measure the impact. Yeah. How are you helping your clients, your yeah. companies measure impact on their cultures? So, yes, great. Two parts of that. One, you mentioned Sherm, right? They're actually, and, and you were there, they're one of our partners, actually, uh, one of our client partners, and we're working with them on building a research study, multi-year research study, to measure the impact okay. of cultures across industries, across verticals, across certain client types. So that's one thing I'll just share. We're building that. That's part of the, the plan, if you will, right? But then on an individual level, it's important to measure both cultural effect, right? So how, how the perception of that culture is, how it affects employee, you know, engagement, yeah. how it affects employee retention. You know, I, I don't really like to use that word, but but how employees choose, where they choose to spend their employee time, mm -hmm. right? Part of that, right? And the way they show up to be most productive. And also how they show up for their families, right? Outside of right. work. It's a it's a it's a an exchange is taking place, an agreement is taking place between employees and employers. And so how do we upgrade those relationships? And then also how do we provide support? for managers and leaders to make sure that yeah. they are equipped, you know, they don't, not everyone has the unique experience that someone has, but they now have a reinforcement to say, Hey, I care. And I have this offering for you That's right. to help and help us to understand each other better, to give you the support you need and we can support each other. And so we're, it goes back to, you know, operationalizing compassion and operationalizing that culture of caring. Right. And so the need to provide personalized support, that's what we're that's what we're doing as everybody's situation is different in that moment. And so um, and then we're also working to metric or excuse me, measure business outcomes. Yeah. Right? We reduce risk. How do we reduce you know, back to our conversation? How do we reduce mental health claims? How do that's we make right. sure that people are getting the right resources when they need them? How do they utilize the services and benefits that companies invest in? And make sure that they're aware of them at the right moment. So, because you know, a lot of times, you know, for example, you you gave the example of, of losing a loved one, right? Recently, yeah. if you don't know that someone offers you support in that way, you're not gonna you're not gonna use it. But if someone's talking to you about it, say, oh, by the way, this company has this available to you, you're gonna use you're gonna use it in that right moment because it's been it's there's a there's a different moment when it's in a conversation. That's right. Versus when you're trying to search for it when you're feeling grief and you're feeling upset and you're and you're thinking about what's going on. Right. And so that's that's the human experience for all of us, truly. Yeah, I love that. And you made me think about um, as you're in this process of measuring um, the role of the manager. Right. So 
the role of the Hugh manager. Yes. I got that from my conversation with Erica Caswin. I saw nice. that she was on your- um, She's coming Rebels on tomorrow on Rebels. Yeah, I saw that she's coming on yeah. Rebels. Anyway, um, that's a new level of awareness. We're not asking managers today to be complete empaths. Yes. Although it would be ideal if they were. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, for sure. Right? Um, but it, I think that's a new level of leadership and management that needs to be happening today and understanding that, I mean, everyone has a unique experience. I saw that, you know, Cecilia, hi, Cecilia, she's, she's watching us, but Cecilia was pointing out that people of color and women exp have experienced mental health and emotional well-being differently. There mm -hmm. it is again. Um, and how we need to address the systemic microaggressions impacting us. And I know that's a broader tactic or a broader strategy that I think it still goes back to. Um, and I, I love using this phrase. For leaders, I'll start with people who are responsible for people, right? Yes. Leaders or managers, that they have an awareness of how people experience you, period. Oh. Right, it gets starts at that individual level. And so um, I'm wondering if there's a, a coaching that you provide, and I don't know, I don't know, is there a life guide that you can provide for managers who are newly managing people who now are bringing all of their emotional well-being or not, you know, to what they do in life. So the simple answer is yes, it's actually okay. part of our package. We built it is. Yes. So when clients buy life guides, they also have access to our life guides for leaders framework and our empathetic Stop leadership it. framework system. And we include all of that. It's been it's developed by neuroscientists and psychologists and human empathy experts. And we provide that as part of our onboarding to our clients. Human empathy experts. I love that. Um, you also were talking about the partnership with SHRM, and I saw your announcement a couple uh, months ago yes. on this social impact council. So yeah. what's that? So, so Johnny, you mentioned, so you were probably with him because I know this topic of civility is one that he's very passionate about. Yeah. Um, so Johnny is the chairman of our social impact council. And he's the CEO of Sherm for those that don't know. And Johnny, so Sherm was a client or is a client, and he heard about life guides and said, I I get it. I see what this is and how this what, what you're doing. And I want to play an active role in this because it's aligned with 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 my mission around talent and around mobility and around access and around belonging and around yeah. all different topics. And the core concept of of the social impact council is recognizing the when you when you synergize different initiatives from private and public organizations, right? Yeah. Let's just talk specifically, right? Right now, what's going on in the Middle East? That's that right. People are being affected directly, indirectly. No matter where you are on your perspective on that conflict, people are struggling and suffering, right? And the opportunity to connect resources, financial resources, human resource, you know, people, stories, access exists. And so for our ability in the long run to, to connect money with organizations, with people who can be guides, yeah. with who need guidance in times of struggle and crisis that couldn't otherwise afford it or need to be provided to it by their community or by organizations that are influential in their communities. That's what the Social Impact Council is really designed to do, right? And that's going back to, we talk about billions of people around the world. Yes. Right? That's part of how we achieve that, right? Is tapping into that. And that's the, and we're in the early stages of building that. 
that I mission. love that. So it's really creating this global network yeah. of um, humans, yes. right? Like of humans who care about yes. what people are experiencing. That's Amazing. Exactly yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, I would love to try and get some advice from you. There's so many questions, <laughs> but I think from um, a culture standpoint, a lot of people who tend to join these culture cast conversations are just looking for kernels of, all right, you're blowing my mind, you know, on this whole idea of life guides and how it came about. But if there is a small executable step, I think about change happens when, right? It's not going to happen overnight and it's not linear, but yeah. it's when you can actually digest it into the, the smallest executable step and learn from that. You know, what, what advice would you give to folks who are listening to this right now or will listen later on how they can help others thrive? Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily call it advice, but I'll, because, you know, but I'll give this, I'll, okay. I'll share some, two things that you would, that you kind of already mirrored back in this, right? Is that we each have stories, we each have experiences, we each have contributing factors that make our experience of life uniquely ours. And that in and of itself, that small piece is a gift for all of us to share, right? That, that kernel, yeah. we each have kernels or we have lots of them that can be shared, right? They, 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 all, they all seed one another. And so to your point, the ability for us to sit in stillness in presence and awareness of those moments and those gifts and those opportunities, that's part of what we're all here doing together, right? No matter how you look at it, in the yeah. workplace, outside the workplace, with our colleagues, with our families, with our friends, that's fundamentally what makes us human beings. And there's there's an opportunity for all of us to show up and serve and contribute in that way in as much as people are inspired to do so. And it doesn't have to be on the Life Guides platform. It can, it's right. just how you show up. It's how you live, right? right. And, it, and it's recognizing that each of us can live that way yeah. every moment if we so choose. Yeah, I love that. I think if I were to just summarize, and I know it's not advice, but I think it's a way of being. And... Um, what I'm hearing you say is a way to help others thrive is really to be present. Yes. Right? Be present with that human being in front of you, whether it's virtual, like you and I are virtual right now, or, you know, in the moment when you're around another person Yes. and um, you never know the gift that you might be giving because of the unique experience that they might be going through. Like yes. it's, it's being present enough to understand, you know, what's beyond the surface, I guess, is what you're saying. And to do that for others. And I think what I've heard you say consistently too in our conversation is it's being of service to others. It's yes. about serving others, you know, service, service leadership, that it's like, not what can you do for me, but what can I be doing for you? Yes. And like being curious enough to, I love you said this too, sit in stillness to really see that. Thank you. I mean, yes, I, I, I am signing up for all of those things because I feel like it's a way of being. Now, um, I do want to jump into, since we do talk about culture, I, I yeah. want to get into pop culture a little bit. Sure. So um, what are you into these days in terms of like, what are you eating? What are you reading? What are you watching? Yeah. What are you listening to? Like, what's your fave lately? Okay. Faves lately? So it's a loaded question. So I have three... <laughs> I have three young children, as you know, right? So yes. I'm going to be six-year-old daughter, and I have two boys who are four and two, right? And so 
a lot of what I love is that everything for them is is new right now. Oh, right? so yeah. We're talking about Halloween and just like they're yeah. coming aware of you know, of movies and characters and Disney movies and Marvel and all that stuff. So I love watching them try these things and see these things for the first time because it's back to presence. It's the epitome of like they're just immersed in all this. Right. So I really yeah. just love pouring in and experiencing with my kids what they're experiencing for the first time. Um, personally, you know, with, with what I'm doing. So I've been doing this um, uh, intermittent fasting thing for a couple of years, which has been good, really good for me. Oh my God, I'm new on that journey. Say more about that. I'm going to keep going. So I've been, so I've been into the wearables thing. So back to data, right? So I've been okay. wearing my, my Whoop and my Aura ring now for almost two and a half years. And I've been doing the intermittent fasting thing. Uh, so I only eat basically between 10 and six or noon and eight if I'm traveling typically. Um, and so then I don't eat the rest of the time. Yeah. Uh, so I basically now eat about two meals a day and I have found it's been amazing for my energy, for my sleep, for just my overall physiology. And that's a big part, as you know, for how you show up in, in that way. So, um, that's something that I've been doing. And then, you know, again, just, it's experiencing things with my family. Um, and you know, we were talking about different things we want to do and, you know, just trying and expose them to different kinds of music, to different kinds of media, different kinds of adventures. We love to get outside right now. So we do a lot of time in the pool and doing hiking. That's amazing. Um, and a lot of time in nature. Um, and then as far as some of the stuff I'm, I'm reading, I mean, um, so I just ordered, it hasn't arrived yet, but um, if you know Ron Shake, and you probably do because yep. you live in this world, um, you know, Ron had been the founder of Panera. He just wrote a book called Know What Matters. Yeah. Um, he's part of a, you know, I, I had the opportunity to meet Ron years ago. So I'm looking forward to reading that book. It goes, it comes, it's released next week. So I'll have that on pre-order. Um, and that goes back to that question, like why, right? And I'm excited to hear and see what he has to say about that. Um, and another, another book on my desk here, um, Human Beings First by Paul Wolf, which was gifted to me. It's on, on, that's on my next one I read. I'm also reading every day right now, um, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. So that's something else I've been, been reading. So those are just a few things that I've been, been reading and watching and, and been participating in. Oh my gosh. We will make sure we capture all that in the show notes so that people can recap that. If not, just rewind and, and hear all your wise wisdom. Um, intermittent fasting, completely new to me. And it sounds like you have this eight hour eating window. Yeah. You know, I'm still trying to go with 12 hours. Okay. So, but I think it's baby steps, right? Yes. And I'm already feeling the difference. It's only been, I mean, I'm, I'm so new. It's, it's coming up on two weeks Okay. of, um, of learning about it and just trying that 12 hour yeah. of fasting and then having that eating window. Yes. I think that eight hours is really what I'm striving towards in the next month is what I'm hoping. Yeah. Right. And, well, gonna, and just, you know, Aaron, my wife, right? She, she's, she's done it. She does also a longer window. She tried to it actually work better for her having a longer window. Yeah. So in terms of, I, I don't know if there's a physiological difference between men and women, but there yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there is. So yeah, I, I'm I'm interested in how that will impact. And I'm already seeing a difference in terms of just sleep, energy, yeah. although I always have a lot of energy. I just mm -hmm. say boundless energy, right? It's kind of like, okay, now I'm ready to go and I'm not hungry. And then I actually force myself to like, all right, do I need to take that to 11 hours, right? In terms of an 11 hour, 11 hour eating window. Um, anyway, I know we're coming up to the top of the hour. 
I we wish. Do this. We should. Do I know. This. I was just say, can yeah. we just do this every week and just hang out? <laughs> I love this. I feel like yes. when we when we met, and I know it was through my husband Michael. It's the first time that yeah. we had spent time together. It just felt akin, and I think about. Yes. Um, I won't say what company, but as I was growing up in my career, I remember trying to get development developmental feedback from a leader who. I don't know. He made a difference between how men and women show assertiveness in the workplace. And he said to me, he goes, this is a good thing for you, but maybe not a good thing for you as a leader yeah. is that he goes, you wear your heart on your sleeve. You lead with your heart. And I, I'm like, say more about that. And he just kind of said, you know, if you want to be uh, a leader in the company, and I know that I ascended to a leader in the company. I'll just say a C-suite level role. You know, I think it's because I led with my heart. Yeah. And um, it's just reminding me this conversation is leading with your heart is being human, right? Yeah. And it's recognizing that in others, that um, it's not about this persona to become a leader. I think even oh, today. So good about that. Right. It's It's about the leaders who are successful today, I feel like we're, I'm being preachy right now, really mm -hmm. demonstrate that empathy. I mean, it's going to go back to that, yeah. right? Who have that empathy and at least seek to understand where others are coming from. And I'll just echo that, agree with you. That was the entire basis of Rebels of the Heart, right? The founding of that, you yes. mentioned Rebels of the Heart. The whole concept yes. of that when we launched it pre-COVID was that that was the way of leading in the future. Like that, they, that, that intelligence exists existed you know in the organization and it's a it's a it's a force rising in this next chapter of leadership in business and communities and those rebels with a heart are stepping into c-suite roles and positions of influence and positions of cultural influence and that's exactly what's going on Lisa. so i completely wholeheartedly agree with what you said oh my goodness what a sweet way to end this conversation derek how can people find you just uh, you know how yes. can I reach you? Uh, personally, my email is Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeguides.com. I'm also on all the social media channels. You can find me on LinkedIn and all the other places, but I'm definitely LinkedIn active. Right on. But you can find me everywhere. Um, and then, again, my email, you can reach out anytime. But, but Maurice, this is always, as always, love talking with you. This oh, my gosh. I Can I just say I heart you? Yes, likewise. You know, or heart you with yeah. whatever I'm wearing. Um, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, th and I, I think there's that. much love hanging out here in the comments. So good to see some of you. Again, the fans who are also rebels with a heart, who are yeah. leading it in their organization. So thank you, everybody. And until thank next you. time, um, ciao. And I heart you. All right. Take care. <laughs>